Welcome to episode 7 of the podcast Radical Simple Living. Nice for you to join me again, or perhaps this is your first time, in which case it's even nicer. I'm pleased to meet you. I'm sitting here with a crackling fire, which you might better hear, and with a cup of tea that I hope you won't be able to hear. Um, Maybe you've got a cup of tea too, because this is unscripted. This is me talking to you as if we were sitting across the table. And uh, it's fairly one way, I know. But don't forget that you can leave me comments, either where you're listening to this blog or uh, on my social media uh, places on Mastodon, on Twitter or on Facebook. Now, I have to tell you before I start that the cats, I've got some cats here with me that are my technical backup team. And they're a little bit restless tonight, I don't know why, so I may have to pause to uh, see what they're up to. At the moment there's one outside the window looking in and there's one inside looking out, and I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but we'll wait and see. Now it's seven episodes, so I think it's time to do something, and I think that time has come just to remind ourselves briefly of what we said right at the beginning about three things that you need to be able to do to make your life simpler. Because making your life simpler is one of the things that you can think of all kinds of practical things to do. But you've also got to get your mind around this idea of simplicity. You've got to think it's a really good idea and really want it. So just to remind you, these are three things. One, you need the desire to live more simply and avoid a life that is more complicated than necessary. Well, presumably, that's what we all want. If we're listening or if we're talking about this podcast, that's what we want. The second thing is the need to care and cherish for the environment, because it's no good having a simple life if we're causing problems elsewhere. It's no good making our garden simple by throwing everything over the hedge so it ends up in somebody else's garden. There's no point in making our life less complicated if it makes other people's lives more complicated. And the last thing is the belief that simplicity is a gateway to greater understanding of the true value of life. Now, that is a difficult one because all of us will have different journeys to take on that, and the gateway for one person might not be the gateway for another. But that doesn't matter, because the road we're taking is the same. So let's get going. Now, I want to talk today about other people, because the last few podcasts have been about how you can uh, adopt a frame of mind that's going to enable you to pursue a simpler lifestyle. But there's always other people, aren't there? And there's different kinds of other people. There are those people who won't understand what you're doing, who will be hostile or disinterested or not care in any way whatsoever or laugh or find it amusing or in some other way try and distance themselves from what you're doing or mock what you're doing. Um, Okay, I hope you don't meet too many people like that, but you presumably will. I've got some very crackly logs here tonight. The second kind of person is much more important. These are people who your life is involved with. Maybe your partner, maybe your children, maybe your parents. 
It may be your brothers or sisters or whoever in your family or your wider acquaintance needs to be sympathetic to what you're doing and maybe needs to be doing it with you. Now, if you can't persuade them that it's a good idea, you've got some real problems. So we'll probably do a whole podcast on how you relate to your family and how you get your simple living ideas across to them. Today, we're going to focus on what happens when other people are trying to live simply. These are people you may meet in real life or you may meet on social media. But how do you choose the people that you interact with? Are you very selective and picky or are you very open and all-embracing? And are there pitfalls and dangers in being one way or the other? Well, that's what we aim to look at in this podcast. Now, I want to start off with a very famous historical mistake. There is somebody who herself led a very simple life. And if you're American, you'll certainly know a lot about her. If you come from another part of the world, maybe you won't. Her name is Susan B. Anthony. And the reason she's famous is because she was a very important um, participant in the struggle to get women the vote in America. Um, she was very active. She was very eloquent. She was a brilliant writer. But she, she wanted votes for women. And whichever country you're listening from, there will be equivalent people in your culture that did the same. Mrs. Pankhurst is the famous one in Britain, but there are others all around the the world. Now, Susan B. Anthony was campaigning for votes for women, and that was fine because a lot of people, not only women, but also men that felt the situation needed adjustment, were in favour of suffrage being in, in universal and including women. But Susan B. Anthony had another big campaigning thing in her life, and this was the campaign for total abstinence from alcohol. Now, she started as part of a Quaker community, but soon gave up on that because Quakers drank alcohol. Many didn't, but an awful lot did, and she didn't like that, so she then became a Unitarian. And I suspect a lot of Unitarians drunk alcohol too, but she seemed to be uh, happier there. Now, her big mistake, which is one we can all learn from, is she tried to combine these two big ideas in one campaign. So she wanted to run a campaign that was in favour of votes for women and against alcohol. And her rallies and her pamphlets and her speeches were all involved on these two subjects. And that's where she went wrong. Because if you believed in votes for women, but you quite liked alcohol, you didn't feel that you could give her your support because one of the things she was campaigning for, you felt were was the right direction. But the other thing she was campaigning for, you might be totally opposed to. So she didn't get the people that wanted votes for women but liked to drink. She also didn't get support from those people who were opposed to alcohol. And there were a lot of people in America at the time opposed to alcohol. And we know the culmination of that was prohibition a little bit later on in history. 
But at the time, there were plenty of people that were opposed to alcohol, but maybe some of them weren't too keen on votes for women. So what she thought she was doing was broadening her audience by putting two themes together, whereas what she was really doing was narrowing it. So the only people she was addressing in the end were those that shared those two views with her. And we can fall into the same trap. Now, Susan B. Anthony was also a wonderful writer and all of her work is out of copyright, so you can get copies of it for free. And I'll just give you a little taste here. This is a little bit she wrote about how our lives are measured. And th this is the quote. Sooner or later, we all discover that the important moments in life are not the advertised ones, not the birthdays, the graduations, the weddings, not the great goals achieved. The real milestones are less prepossessing. They come to the door of memory unannounced. Stray dogs that amble in, sniff around a bit and simply never leave. Our lives are measured by these. End of quote. Now, I think that's absolutely wonderful and our lives are measured by this. Certain big things in your life didn't happen because you planned them. They happened by accident, like one of those dogs that comes in sniffing around and snowing. Uh, so Susan B. Anthony, I think, is, is well worth reading and a wonderful writer. Now, our problem is that if you follow the course of simple living, you will want to follow people on social media. You will want to read books. You will want maybe to join groups, although not everybody does. I'm not a great one for joining groups myself, I must admit. But some people like to. Some people like the support of knowing other people uh, who have the same ideas as them. And this is the problem. How do you select those people to join together with? And how do you decide those people that you don't want anything to do with. And how can you, yourself, if you want to push forward ideas of simple living, how can you be sure you're not doing what Susan B. Anthony did and mix two ideas together? For instance, you might be interested in simple living and be pushing a, a particular religious or political standpoint at the same time. And whilst that might be appealing to some people, you're certainly going to alienate others. You might be following simple living and be a vegan or be a vegetarian. And you might want to push veganism or vegetarianism at the same time as, as talking about simple living. Be aware that you will be alienating some of those people. You might be an advocate of simple living and be on the political right, or you could be an advocate of simple living and be somebody on the political left. And by joining up your particular standpoints with the ideas of simple living, you could be alienating as many people as you manage to appeal to. So we've got to be careful. And when you go on social media, you will want to be careful who you're lining up with, because quite frankly, there could be people out there who also have simple living as an objective, but you might find very objectionable altogether. 
Now, I've got one more quote here, a very short one, don't worry, from Bill Mollison. And if you know Bill Mollison, you'll recognise his name. He is the Australian who really developed the idea of permaculture. In fact, I think I'm right in saying it was he that first coined the word permaculture in the way that we mean it today. And he said this, quote, Choose your friends from people who... You like what they do, even though you might not like what they say. I'll give you so again. Choose your friends from people who you know what they do, even though you mightn't like what they say. End of quote. So what Bill Mollison seems to be saying is, as long as people have the same ideas as you and are doing the same thing as you, uh it's okay to work with them. Let's let's give you a little example about that, how that might work. Supposing there is near you a wonderful area of woodland, and this area of woodland is very important for all kinds of reasons. There may be wildflowers there. It may be the only area of woodland left for miles around. There may be birds that nest there. There may be insects, amphibians, all sorts of things that live within... A cat has just jumped on my back from a great distance. Ouch. Okay, that's fine, but watch the claws, please. Oh, okay, that looks like I'm going to have to record this with a cat sitting on my neck now. Don't know how long this is going to last. Um, yeah, supposing there's this area of woodland that you want to protect. And let us suppose that you are part of a, an ecological movement that wants to protect this woodland. Now let's just imagine that on the other side of the woodland lives a very wealthy industrialist who owns a big house there and also wants to protect this woodland because he doesn't want anything developed next to his house. He wants to keep it to himself. What do you do? Do you work with him or do you have nothing to do with him? Remember, the woodlands need protecting. Now, I'd say this is something I wouldn't even think about. I would work with that person because protecting the woodland is the objective. And if somebody wants to work with you on protecting that woodland, even though you might like what not like what they say, they may be very helpful to you and you might be very helpful to them. So on a single issue, you can work across political, religious, social, all kinds of other layers to achieve what you want to achieve now you will of course and i have to say this right away you will have boundaries i have boundaries i correspond with all kinds of people on social media about simple living matters and have no problems even though i know from some of the things they post i don't exactly agree with them on many things but i will work with them except my boundaries include i will not work with anybody who is racist. I will not work with anybody that's homophobic. I will not work with anybody that's out there denying evolution or denying the Holocaust. I won't work with anybody out there who is causing all kinds of disruption by spreading false um, bits of fake news around one thing or another. As long as they're not doing that, they're fine. Okay? Those are my boundaries. So if you don't fit into any of those boundaries and you want simple living, 
I will work with you because um, I'm, I'm happy to do that. I should add to that, of course, I won't work with anybody who wants violence as a way of achieving their aim because I'm a Quaker and Quakers don't do violence, as you know, and I'm not going to join up with anybody who's proposing violence as a way of achieving their aims. But apart from that, that's fine. So you have to make those decisions yourself. Before you start, make sure you know where your boundaries are. Make sure they're very clear in your head and be very, very vigilant in sticking to those boundaries. Okay, now I want to try and identify some of the different kinds of people you will come across in the move towards greater simplicity. And this comes from a book, I haven't read the whole book, but I have read sections of it, called The Utopia Experiment by Dylan Evans. The Utopia Experiment by Dylan Evans. It was published in 2015. And he tries to categorise different people that are involved in the sort of changes to lifestyle that we're talking about here. And some of these are long words, so I'll spell them out. I will put them up on my blog. Now, I do have a blog called radicalsimpleliving.blogspot.com and every week after doing one of these podcasts, I try within the next day or two to get up some notes on the blog. So if I refer to books or people or movements or ideas, you can go to the blog and get some more details. Some weeks I don't manage to get to do that until a couple of days after I've done the blog and sometimes I feel very efficient and do it immediately afterwards. Can't promise what this uh, week's episode will be like. But anyway, these are complicated ideas so you might want to come back to them. And you might also like to decide which one of these groups you belong to. Okay, here we go. So this is from this list by Dylan Evans. Some people are boomers. Boomers. Now, a boomer is someone who thinks that technological progress will continue indefinitely and make us all richer and happier. Now, I'm not going to read these out without opinions. And my opinion is that technological progress will not continue indefinitely and make us richer and happier. I think technological progress tends to go in spurts and sometimes technological progress doesn't make people happier, it makes them more miserable. It does sometimes and I'm not against technological advances. I've spoken about this in an earlier podcast on technology. But are they, is it going to solve all our problems and make us happier? Are people happier now with all the technology they've got than they, they were maybe 20 years ago? I'm not so sure about that. The next group are called catastrophists. Yeah, some of my cats are catastrophists, I think, because they're trying to organise a catastrophe when uh, I'm trying to do something here. A catastrophist believes that the world is heading towards economic, environmental, social or spiritual collapse and a new world will emerge from the ashes of the old one. Now, I, I know people that believe this. They look at what's happening. They look at what's happening with the current economic crisis. They look what's happening 
with the environment, they look at pandemics and they believe we're heading for a terrible catastrophe and the only thing that's going to get us out of that catastrophe is radically changing in some way. So that's a catastrophist. Are you one of those? I'm not entirely, I must admit. Though I do think you would be a strange person if you were to say that the economic and environmental crisis that we're facing at the moment that people have solutions for because I don't think they do. The next group is called declinists and a declinist belief that things are getting worse compared to a former golden age. Popular candidates for the start of this include the Industrial Revolution which are Romanticism and the birth of the agriculture revolution primitivism so a romantic is somebody that wants to turn back to things before the industrial revolution and a primitivist is one who wants to go back to the birth of agriculture now again i'm not really convinced that things are getting worse i think things are getting different but is that worse if we manage to come out of this with a better way of treating the environment than we've had for the last hundred years is that a bad thing or a good thing if we manage to come out of the current economic decline with a fairer system of running things is that good or bad i think it can be good and i don't believe there was a golden age when everything was wonderful i've met people that do there's a very famous person that uh, tweets who wants to go back to this wonderful golden age of uh, all kinds of wonders and joys where everybody was happy and i simply don't believe that that was the way do you believe there was a golden age we might like to think there was but poverty disease illness injury hunger famine have all been with us through history and only recently have we managed to divorce ourselves from some of those things. But I'm not sure there was ever a golden age when those things weren't a major obstacle to happiness for most people. Next we have people called doomers. Now unlike catastrophists who believe that we're heading towards collapse of the economy, environmental, social and spiritual collapse, a, um, a doomer believes one big catastrophe is going to come and that civilization will collapse. Now, some of these things are very common themes in science fiction, aren't they? Something hits the earth, there's a great pandemic that wipes out everybody. There's all kinds of television programs about these things. And some people are doomers. They don't know what's going to hit us, but they know something bad is going to happen. I'm not really one of those either, I have to say. Then we have millennialism, that's a mouthful, the belief that the imperfect world we live in will soon be destroyed and replaced by a better one. That is really some kind of religious belief, isn't it? That somehow this world is just an illusion and something better is going to come along. I'm not one for that, personally. Then we have preppers. Now, preppers have been big in America for a long time and they're starting to gain ground in other parts of the world 
And the definition that uh, Dylan Evan gives to a prepper is someone who is actively preparing for disaster by stocking up on food and other items. The disaster could be anything from an extended power cut to a global catastrophe. Some preppers are preparing for relatively small disasters, like, you know, they can't get out for a week because of snow or something like this. We don't know. Now, while I wouldn't consider myself a prepper, I live a long way from any shop and I don't drive a car. So I do need to keep a supply of food in. And I would be foolish if I didn't, because I live in a part of the world where it snows heavily. I live in a part of the world where things can go wrong. Electricity can be cut off. All kinds of things like this I've spoken about before. So, yeah, to some extent, I do want to be prepared for what happens. I'm always stocked up on batteries and lights and water and food. And I'll continue to do that. It's not my primary philosophy. I don't get up in the morning and start prepping. And neither am I one of these preppers that builds enormous underground bunkers full of food and provisions. But I am somebody that likes to keep a pretty good store cupboard of dried goods. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, I'm going to have to intervene here to stop a cat doing something silly. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Those of you that keep cats know that a lot of the time cats are asleep and sometimes they're awake and quite constructive in what they do and sometimes they are completely crazy. My father always used to say it was the wind blowing that drove... Well, there's something driving my cats crazy tonight. Um, they're just looking for things to get into that they're not supposed to do. So I'm sorry, I will try and carry on. Right, next comes a group called the Primitivists. Primitivists. And here's what it says about them. The belief that modern civilization makes people unhappy and the cure lies in returning to a more simple life. That is me, listener. That is me. I don't think modern life makes people happy. But I think if we all live a more simple life involved with growing things and making things and looking after things and being good neighbours and all of those things that we've spoken about in the past, that is going to make a big difference. So a primitivist, I am. The next group are called rewilders and I also consider myself one of these. Rewilding is the process of reversing human domestication by relearning primitive skills, as such as gathering. Now, rewilding also has a greater meaning, which is trying to restore to our environment, locally and globally, the kind of wilderness that allowed species to develop on their own. We know there's lots of work being done, particularly in places in the south of England, to reintroduce animals that are, have been missing, um, beavers, uh, wild bison, and I'm all in favour of it. I'm all in favour that all of us should do our bit to be rewilding where we can. And the next group you will be familiar with. These are survivalists. Survivalist is somebody that's stocking up so they can survive. Unlike preppers, they tend to think disasters will be global or national at the least. Now, survivalist thinks that such a catastrophe is going to hit us, 
that they need to survive. They need to go out and build a, a shelter. They need to hunt or gather their own food. They need to do all kinds of things. I'm not a survivalist, but I know plenty of people who are. And the last group from this work are called transhumanists. Wait for this. A transhumanist is someone who hopes that future developments in technology will radically transform human nature for the better. That i.e. we're all going to be so involved with technology. These are still crazy cats here. We're going to be so involved in technological change that it's going to transform all our lives. And some people believe that computers have done that already. And some people believe that um, uh, this subgroup of Facebook called Meta is going to change our lives all so much that we're all going to be wonderfully happy. I don't, for one minute, think it's going to do anything of the sort. And I think, personally, it's fiddling while Rome burns. But that's only my impression. Now, the question comes, which of these people are you going to interact with? And if you start the journey towards simple living, what are you going to do if you come across these different people? Well, the answer is, you're going to learn what you can from them. And you're going to help them if you've got solutions to their problems and they're going to help you. They may be a prepper, but they might have a wonderful recipe for canning rhubarb that you can use. They may be a doomer, but they may be able to help you with some construction projects that you have. They may have driven up a wonderful plan for a, an outside shower or something that you can use if you want to. So the answer is we have to communicate with all of these people and we have to learn from them. And if there are issues that we all feel important, we have to work with them too. Now, where do you meet these people? Well, if you go to Facebook, you can find these people on boards. You will find survivalist groups. You will find um, prepping groups. You will find rewilding groups. You will certainly find primitive groups. And you can get to know people in these groups. And even if you disagree with them about some things you will find a lot of good people there that are willing to help you and talk about and it's amazing when you go to some of these groups and you find that some of the people are extreme sort of uh, right-wing armageddonists and there's also left-wing hippie types and they're all trying to do something a bit different with their lives in actual fact they all get on rather well and you can exchange ideas as far as it goes, you don't have to follow these people in all their aims and objectives. You don't have to believe in everything they are proposing. But you can find a lot of common ground and learn a lot from them. Don't get so close that you're drawn in, unless you want to be, that is. But certainly learn all you can from people, even if you don't see exactly eye to eye with them. Now, apart from Facebook, you can try Twitter when the use of hashtags for survivalism or uh, primitivism or rewilding will bring you up with people that do that. Twitter is a funny thing because it's unless you happen to fit in with their sort of idea of what they're doing, it's, it's all heavily doctored and you might find yourself totally ignored and cast out 
on Twitter if you're not saying anything too controversial. If you say something incredibly controversial, all of a sudden everyone will see your post and you'll get loads of interactions. It's engineered and it's a little bit artificial and it's got quite bad of late, I think. And the other place you might like to think of is Mastodon. Unlike Twitter, it doesn't have any great algorithmic device for selecting your toots and saying they're more deserving than other people. So you might find that on Mastodon you can meet all kinds of people fairly freely. And again, there will be people that you like and get on with, and there will be people who you don't like and you can't get on with. But you need to be selective. Okay, I hope that's some help to you about how to get on with other people that might be trying to live a simple lifestyle just like yours. And I hope that you manage to make some friends and I hope you manage to meet some people that you want to interact with. If you're interested, you can find me on Facebook as Ray Lovegrove. You can find me on Twitter as Ray Lovegrove. Or you can find me on Mastodon as Ray Lovegrove. As you'll notice, I don't um, hide under any great alias. If you have problems finding me, um, I will put some links to those on the notes for this podcast. Thank you for spending this time with me. I apologise for the naughty cats that have been making noise and doing all sorts of things in the background, and I will be giving them a good talking to when this podcast is over. It's been nice talking with you, and hope to see you again next time. Bye for now.